The second season of El Flow is here. Step into the ever-evolving world of reggaeton and get up close with both legendary figures and emerging talents in the industry. Part of the enormous significance of reggaeton is really the way in which personal narratives connect to larger things going on historically and socially. Listen to El Flow on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. For all the parents out there, picture that it's bedtime. You and the kids have been busy all day. You know they're tired, but for some reason, they just won't go to sleep. And for this reason, I created the podcast Bedtime History. Bedtime History is a series of relaxing history stories that end with an inspirational message. With over 2,000 positive parent reviews, Bedtime History is one of the top education podcasts. Join me and listen to Bedtime History every Monday and Thursday on iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Thanks for listening to the Herd Podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday on Fox Sports Radio at noon to 3 Eastern, 9 a.m. to noon Pacific. Find your local station for the Herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Fox Sports Radio or FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Here we go on a Monday. Lots to talk about live in Los Angeles. It is The Herd, wherever you may be and however you may be listening. Uh, Thanks for making us part of your day. One hour from now, where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong. There is plenty of both. J-Mac filled in very capably on Friday with Alex. I appreciate that. Got some sun over the weekend. Hung out in the lake yesterday. Oh, what did you do this weekend? Uh, let's see. I welcome back my family after a uh, two-week excursion and uh, took my kid to camp, which is always a fun, fun experience. Oh, Played a little volleyball on the beach. Where were oh, you? Oh, it was very huh? nice. I was on a lake in uh, Utah uh, with some fam, and it was absolutely stunning. Not a cloud in the sky. Uh, nothing better. Inner tubing and Ooh. and and uh, trying to wake surf and that didn't go well. <laughs> I'm sore this morning. <laughs> nice. So uh, today's a big day for the New York Giants. If by four o'clock Eastern, one o'clock our time, they don't come to a long-term agreement with Saquon Barkley, their star running back, he's franchise tagged. That's an NFL rule. They probably have to sign him to a long-term contract. That's what they're doing today. So Daniel Jones' worst year, lowest passer rating, was in 2020. Uh, that was the year that Saquon Barkley played like a game and was hurt. So the Giants, um, and, and by the way, this is what happens when you have a very average quarterback that you've committed nearly $40 million a year to, and for you to be good, he has to flourish, and they're totally dependent on Saquon Barkley being here. In fact, we have a graph that we'll put up right now. Last year, I mean, this is the, what, fourth year of Daniel Jones. Justin Herbert, Burrow, Mahomes, they pop early. Jalen Hurts pops in year two. Four years in, if he has less than 100 yards rushing behind him, he's bad. 
86 passer rating, 5-7-1. He is totally dependent on a run game, and Saquon Barkley's obviously great. So this is really, though, the Giants are, and I, and I know you think I'm picking on New York, but it is, again, an illustration of why New York teams are always seemingly for the last decade a mess. They've got lots of money. They think they can buy championships. But the Giants had an owner, and uh, it looks like, though it will be denied, that he meddled in these negotiations and signed him to a long-term deal because he looks like Eli Manning and had the same college coach as Eli Manning, and he can sense Eli Manning, and Eli Manning took a while to get going. But Eli Manning was a lot more talented college quarterback than Daniel Jones. Now, this is also a Giants team where the coach and the GM currently both very good are trying to recover from a previously incompetent head coach, an incompetent general manager. And it's also a roster, Jets too, where most of your talent is on the wrong side of the ball. But at least the Jets go out and get Aaron Rodgers. The Giants are now stuck with Daniel Jones. Add in, and you see this all the time with New York teams, unrealistic expectations the over-under for the Giants is a very reasonable seven and a half wins. I'd bet the under. Seven and ten. I'd bet the under. My guess is J-Mac would bet the under. And why are they in this mess? Because Dave Gettleman tried to buy a bunch of players and almost none of them worked. So smart teams like the Chiefs come in and get Tony. He'll be highly productive. And the Giants couldn't figure out how to make it work. Welcome. The baseball teams, the Yankees are now tied for last place. The Mets are unraveling. Huge payrolls. Nobody can hit. Your basketball team, the Brooklyn Nets, was a disaster. They tried to buy relevance. Classic New York. And the Jets are trying to get Aaron Rodgers to solve their long issues. They haven't been to the playoffs longer than any other team, and that includes, like, Washington, Cleveland, Detroit, Chicago. And their NFL teams basically are both rebuilding, but neither wants to admit it. So what the Giants really are, and it's a bad place to be in sports, they're trapped. But in the NFL, it's the weakest players union. And so you got to be poorly run to get trapped. Like in baseball, there's nothing you can do. If you want Mookie Betts, you better sign a 10-year deal. If he gets hurt three years into it, what are you going to do? In the NBA, again, the players union, the players have more power. Same in international soccer. But in football, you can get rid of anybody. Could have gotten rid of Tom Brady in his prime, and it wouldn't hurt you that much for more than a year. New England for 20 years never got trapped. They moved off players constantly. Uh, by the way, the Kansas City Chiefs, Orlando Brown, see ya. Honey Badger, see ya. Tyreek Hill, see ya. Never got trapped. The Giants are in the place you should never get in the NFL. There's no excuse for it. Because it's not a terribly strong players' union. You can identify talent because unlike basketball, you get three and four years of videotape. You should do your homework and have fewer whiffs in the draft. NBA teams get, you know, one year of college video, high school video becomes important. I understand whiffs in the NBA. There's no reason to whiff constantly on draft picks. No reason to overspend in free agency. It's not a strong players union. You shouldn't get trapped. And here the Giants are. Today, absolutely trapped. So they're going to have to sign a running back who I like a lot with a history of injuries to a big contract or else they'll franchise tag him and he's not going to be happy. And this all started with reaching for a quarterback who sort of looked like Eli Manning, who had the same college coach as Eli Manning, and they took a big swing, and they reached, and everybody knew they reached, and now they're four years into it, five years into it, and trapped. There's really no excuse for it. The good NFL team, by the way, Philadelphia Eagles, they bottomed out for a year, boom, back on top. 
Eric, Eric, you get Rams, Super Bowl, bottomed out. This year's draft, replenishing, probably a year away. They'll be fine. That's the way it ha- It's okay to bottom out, but th- there's no excuse to be where the Giants are. And I, I think because you have an average quarterback that you've put basically $37 million a year into, because he won a couple of games against the Vikings' awful defense, now you have to sign Saquon. And that's not where you want to be in this league. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs had a running back who they were disappointed with. They went and got a one in the seventh. They move off Tyreek Hill, Orlando Brown, Honey Badger. So we'll keep you updated on the Giants, though. My guess is they're going to have to sign Saquon Barkley because he doesn't want to play in a franchise tag. And Daniel Jones, without Saquon Barkley, this is a bad football team. It really will be. Their talent's almost all on defense. All right, so I saw this yesterday. Uh, and we kept going back and forth on this. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins was down to New England or Tennessee. And I think, you know, a good player, he's not Randy Moss anymore, but he's a good player, is going to go to a good coach and a pretty good organization. So he should help them win another game in a wonky division. But um, it's more of an indictment on New England. Think about this. So I'm a star receiver, and you know in the NFL you're as good as your wide, even Larry Fitzgerald's numbers came down when the quarterback position wasn't as good. Look at Randy Moss, how great he was. Look at his numbers with Tom Brady. Look at his numbers elsewhere. So DeAndre Hopkins did not choose Belichick, you know, with six, seven Super Bowl rings, did not choose offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien, who won a division with Brock Osweiler. He didn't choose Mac Jones, a first round pick who's clearly their number one quarterback. No, he chose Tennessee. With a shaky offensive line, running back dominant, and you have no idea what the future is at quarterback. Will Levis, Malik Willis, Ryan Tannehill, and yet Vrabel sold him on it. And that's all this was. Free agency is salesmanship. It's a little bit like college football inserted into pro football. Mike Vrabel's younger than Belichick, probably a little less rigid, former player, and he sold him. And I don't think, we're not talking about D-Hop is, is Randy Moss is going to change everything. But if you told me DeAndre Hopkins, now with Trey Burks, is worth a game in that division, the difference between 9 and 10 or 8 and 9, they got a very good defense. That's the difference between not making the playoffs and making the playoffs. It's a weak division. There's not a lot. There's only one weak division in the AFC. The other three, AFC East, AFC North, and AFC West, are stacked. Okay, stacked. So New England really needed him. Tennessee needed him. And Tennessee got him. Patriots paid $33 million potentially for Devontae Parker three years. Titans paid $32 million for the much better wide receiver for just two years. They don't like it. They can get out of it. So I think Tennessee wins here. And it, it is just incredibly hard. This is not a strong opinion. This is obvious for all of us. It's hard to win in 2023 without weapons. New England has none. I mean, if, 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 if the Patriots were a car, they'd be a stock base model. You know what I mean? No key fob, have to roll up your own windows. You'd be driving on four spares. I mean, they, there's just nothing there. Juju Smith-Schuster should be a three. That's what he was at Kansas City, sometimes a two. So it's a, it's a I mean, it, you're talking about D-Hop may not be Randy Moss, but at least he's power steering. He's fresh new tires. He's automated. I, I, to me, this is more of an indictment on New England. Again, can't sell their vision offensively. I mean, Bill O'Brien got to the playoffs four different times. 
Belichick's a legend. Mac Jones, say what you want, is clearly the future at quarterback. They couldn't sell that over <laughs> a run. I'm a wide receiver. A run-dominant team with most of their talent, overwhelmingly their talent on defense, and they don't know what the quarterback is by November. <laughs> and then they won. So I think, you know, in that there's only one weak AFC division. Does D-Hop equal one more win? I think he does. I think he takes them from 8 to 9 or 9 to 10. And that's why, you know, we're all, we're all looking at these great divisions in the AFC. But the truth is the NFC South is a hot mess. And the AFC South isn't much better. So the wild card team may very well come from those divisions if you can get to 10 wins. So I think it's a fairly substantial move. Not a great player. He's a good player for a team that desperately needed another receiver. All right. Good to have you in today. Uh, NFL scouts, GMs, coaches are ranking the top 10 quarterbacks. And boy, what a good day for uh, J-Mac on that one. What a, what a day for J-Mac. Isn't, well, it, isn't it nice even when family's gone for a while? Isn't it nice to have the family back? It is excellent to have the family back. Uh, you know what's even better? I just looked at the Tennessee Titans last year. I'll give you a fun little uh, test here. What was their record against playoff teams last year? Tennessee Titans, where DeAndre Hopkins going because well, he thinks they have a chance to win. Well, generally, Vrabel's good against playoff teams. Generally. Generally, but last year, they probably, I would guess, two and six. Close. They were 0 and 9 against playoff teams last year. <laughs> 0 and 9. And he they chose only them. beat bad. Yeah. Because they gave them the money. Well, I, I, that's what I'm saying. If yeah. you and I were receivers, I would go quarterback, O-line, and hopefully you're not run dependent because $6 million for D-Hop salaries in bonuses. I would not – New England's not run dominant. They don't have a star back. They have good backs. They, New England has a better offensive line than Titans. And a clear picture at quarterback, not as run dominant, and needs him arguably more. At least Trey Burks feels like he could be a one this year. They don't have a one in the building yeah. in New England. It's weird. We hear about all the NBA offers that are out there. What are the What is people offering for Damian Lillard? We still don't know what the Patriots offered DeAndre Hopkins. Are we going to get that number? Because I'm, it's pretty clear it was much lower than you know the 26 mil over two. Good, years. good. That's why Vrabel could be a college coach. You got to be able to sell occasionally. Doesn't take that many players, but three or four times a year, a coach has yeah. to put on the college football coach hat and sell. Nope. They, listen, they're going to be competitive with Jacksonville in the division. That went down to the final week of the season. Remember? Yeah. No. I mean, yeah. I, I say he doesn't have to be. I, I'm, I'm not looking for a superstar, but for that team that's got some elements. He wins a game for them. What, 80 catches, 1,000 yards, yes. maybe seven, eight touchdowns? Yes. Is that reasonable? That, in that division, that wins you a game. That That's the difference between 9 and 10 and in and out. Yeah. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. Hey, guys. This is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This podcast. we got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball. We do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, they're like, you know, who's ready to catch Creighton? You don't watch Creighton. They play. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not, never the, not, gonna, the, not the Big East tournament? Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But, like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That cool. Like, that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was – Creighton is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. that. Like, that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a, is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> 
And then they're never at any of the Yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? You've seen the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everything. Everybody, including sitting presidents. So join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before, tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, but it was uh, America is traveling. Let me tell you that everywhere I was this weekend, America's out. So have a great summer. So executives in the NFL, coaches in the NFL, scouts in the NFL. Uh, at ESPN, Jeremy Fowler ranked the top 10 quarterbacks for 2023. I agree with most of them. The top three, I totally agree with. Mahomes, Burrow, Josh Allen would be my top three. They have Dak Prescott at nine. I have him closer to 10, 11, 12. But it goes Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Herbert, Hertz, Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, Dak, and Matthew Stafford. I keep saying, folks, Stafford a year ago was great. Bad old line got hurt. He's good. They got Dak a little high. But the one that I think is really high is Aaron Rodgers, who's off his worst year and now no longer moves. He doesn't want to get hit. And I get it. I wouldn't want to either. But it is funny that scouts and GMs and executives and often coaches fall in love with just talent. And I've argued for years that quarterback is 50% talent and 50% intangibles. If it was just talent, Dak Prescott's not in the league and either is Kirk Cousins, right? Like Dak Prescott is all about intangibles, almost all of it. But there's a reason that Dan Marino, with the winningest coach in league history, an absolute legend, had one Super Bowl trip lost in 17 years. And John Elway went to five. They were both talented. Marino threw... The prettiest ball to this day I've ever seen. Aaron's second. And people were mesmerized with Dan Marino, and they're equally mesmerized with Aaron Rodgers. Combined, 32 years, two Super Bowl trips, one win. I don't think it's a coincidence. I don't need to get personal, but there were things about Marino that I thought he was so far behind Elway, it wasn't close. Elway didn't even get along with his first coach. His first team was mostly all defensive stars. He had average offensive players mostly around him his entire career. Five trips to the Super Bowl. Marino won with a legendary head coach from day one. Aaron's been in the league 15 years, always had offensive coaches, one trip. 
frankly, hasn't been that close that many times. So between the two of them, the two prettiest balls I've ever seen, absolutely Marino and Aaron Rodgers, and people in this league get mesmerized. But look how many times Elway and Montana and Brady got to Super Bowls. Tom almost got to one every two years. 23 years, 10 trips. I'm not saying he's not talented. Brady's talent's always been better than anybody wants to acknowledge. He's got a way better arm than people would acknowledge. He was drafted by a Major League Baseball team due to 6-5, great technique, super smart, but a lot of Tom's success, and frankly, a lot of Montana's success. Teammates loved him. Teammates adored him. Walked into a room, had everybody's attention. And so, prettiest ball in the league carried Marino forever. Until a coach, Dave Wanstead, had to say, it's over. And he didn't like it. And Jimmy Johnson had to say the same thing. And Dan didn't like it. You know, Jimmy and Dan Marino did not get along because he had to tell them the truth. And I think Green Bay kind of had to tell Aaron the truth. Aaron, you're prickly. You're not committed. The leadership thing, the coaching thing, you've gotten super expensive. Probably not going to work here. But the intangible part of quarterback is completely undervalued. If it was just talent... 32 years, Marino and Aaron Rodgers have more than two trips to the Super Bowl. And don't blame lack of surrounding talent. Marino had good players around him. Aaron never had a bad offensive line. He got Devontae Adams, Donald Driver, Jordy Nelson, Greg Jennings. Plenty of talent. And he ended his Green Bay run with top running backs, too, as well. J-Mac with the news. No, 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 no. Turn on the news. This is the Herdline News. We had a lot of fun last week with the Justin Jefferson uh, top five quarterback list where he left his boy Kirk Cousins off. I saw that. Uh, Jefferson had Mahomes, Rodgers, Burrow, Hurts, and Allen. Yeah, you really can't complain, but we did quibble whether or not it was just not cool to leave off your quarterback. Right. So uh, Kirk Cousins was asked about Justin Jefferson's list, and here we go. I didn't even see it. This is the first time I'm hearing about it. As a competitor, yeah, you always want that. People have to be honest and share what they think, and I'm not going to tell somebody what they need to think, and hopefully in 2024, I'll be on his list. We'll see what we can do this year. I don't know. Do you buy that? I didn't see it. I do. Oh, please. He's very much a family guy. Oh, yeah. He goes to church. He hangs out with family. He's not a guy where... He doesn't turn on the TV in the summer, right? He's not... His generation may not watch TV. I think he's very much into his family and his... His current family, his parents, I think Kirk's not into that social media nonsense. Good for him. I don't think he... There's a lot of people out there. Remember, 23% of the country's on Twitter. 77% are not. They're not out there watching all this stuff. You and I have to because of our jobs. I think Kirk Cousins, I've always said, he's he's Dak without the brand, is that he's very capable, very good guy, very much an adult, never gets me in trouble. Don't see him like going toe-to-toe with the greats and and, and out-dueling him. But I I don't think he spends a lot of time worrying about what others think of him. It's possible that he's not online. I jumped on Twitter this weekend, and I was like, it's dead here. His Twitter turned into MySpace. Did did Zuckerberg kill it? There was no no, no topics, no anything. It was just kind of weak. Well, it's the summer. It's it's fair. And there's nothing going on. And Twitter's driven by politics and sports and and Hollywood. Hollywood's on strike. There's no sports and no (laughs) politics. So. There's no sports. What are we doing here? On a, we're doing a sports show every day. Well, we got that, juicy topics. We well, got fun just, stuff. We got to make up juice. So let me ask you, um, Vikings fans, you know, earmuff it for a second. What is their over under? Nine and a half? Whatever it is, it's too high. <laughs> uh, where's Kirk Cousins playing in 
2024. I can see somebody doing a Jimmy Garoppolo and absolutely giving him a two-year deal. Absolutely. I mean, I don't well, think he's you, getting. You a, know, you well, know, San the Francisco qu- gets discussed a lot, but if you well, bring there's in, another one. What's uh, the one other that one? Plays out here. So Kevin Clark came on my podcast and he's like, you know who loves Kirk Cousins? Every time you talk to him. McVeigh and Shanahan love Kirk Cousins. They both had him in Washington. Well, he does. He he's coachable. He doesn't get hurt, and he delivers strikes. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not. It's it's weird how Kirk Cousins is like considered eh, mid, as the kids like to say. Well, guess what? If Shanahan and McVeigh like him a lot, that says something to me about Kirk Cousins. Well, those are two of the best offensive okay. minds in the league. People get upset when I criticize Dak. And people equally would mock me if I complimented Kirk Cousins. We put something up three weeks ago. I had somebody reach out to me. They're literally the same quarterback. I mean, literally, completion percentage, TD to interception ratio, passer rating. The difference is Dak has had a better O-line in his career. That's the difference. Yeah. They both had some star running backs and star receivers. So Kirk Cousins, at this point, I think Dak's a little overvalued and Cousins is undervalued. Yeah. They're the same I, guy. You know, Dak, I would take Dak in a big spot, but I also watched last year Kirk Cousins go into what Buffalo and literally go toe-to-toe with Josh Allen. In, 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 it was one of the best games of the year last year. Yeah. So don't tell me Kirk Cousins can't play. It, it, have you ever hypnotized anyone on the show? Ever in your radio career? No, I have. I'm. I would just love to hear like McVeigh truth serum on Kirk Cousins. Like, why do you like him so much? What is it? Like, we know what you like, but like, like a lot of people just don't think Cousins is that good. Yet McVeigh and Shanahan absolutely adore this guy and love him and want to coach him. Well, both of them are offensive coaches with, by the way, uh, an offensive mindset where they would prefer that you follow the script. Instead of right, yeah. and Kirk is very much a follow the script guy, and but apparently I, play action as well. Kirk Cousins is just awesome with it, and, and then both both the Niners. By the way, if you go look at what really hurt the Rams last year, is when Gurley left, Cam Akers fumble issues. They didn't have a productive yeah. run game. If the Rams run the ball, they're in McVay's history. He made got Goff to a Super Bowl, and Kyle got Garoppolo to a Super Bowl. McVay and Shanahan's offense is really predicated on a 1985 run game. It really is. They both love the power run game. All right. Speaking of the run game, Colin, this story is a little troubling. So Austin Eckler, remember, he had an issue with the Chargers. Yeah. um, And he has been extremely vocal vocal about running backs being undervalued. He went on the Rich Eisen show and kind of went off here about the running back position right now. If I'm looking at some of the backup receivers out here that are still making more than me, and that's that's going to piss me off, right? I'm I'm a little bit I'm like, okay, wait a minute. So you're telling me these people or the or the number three receiver is going to make more than me, and I'm the starter. I get more carries. I touch the ball more. I have more of an impact. Um, it it causes us to question, right? We're going to fight for that. We're going to fight for hey, I'm bringing more value to the team than this person. I think I should be compensated for that. And so that's where the that's where the fight comes. It's not even. It, it, it seems like it's about money, but it's about principle, right? It's about the principle of adding value to a team. You know, it's interesting. You and I tend to be like, you don't need running backs, but there are but, instances that they're valuable. Saquon Barkley has remarkable value now for the Giants. Uh, Derek Henry with Tannehill has had huge value. Joe Mixon with Burrow, he's taken a pay cut. Eckler's a fascinating one. So they haven't paid him anything for all these years because of where they drafted him. 
He came from a small school. So they've never really paid him anything. Yeah. As Justin Herbert's been growing, often behind a bad O-line, he's been very, very productive. And they were also in a situation here where very quickly, Herbert's contract is going to get enormous. So I think I think they'd love to pay him for like a year. But their concern is, see, I, I think they have to make a move at some point this year or next year between Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. And they just extended, I think, a year ago, Mike Williams. They're going to have a tough decision with Keenan Allen. They're going to, because of his expense. But I think it's a tough one because you haven't paid him anything. He's been productive. He's not necessary because of Herbert and the receiving core. But, but, they're a, he's really productive and really good. I mean, there's, he's a tough one. That and the, and the Chargers, Tom Telesco is not a guy that wants to give running backs long contracts. So, I think this one is his argument. Okay, is pretty legitimate. Although yep. teams don't care about your principles, they care about your talent and your contract. Okay. They don't get too caught up in your principles. A few things here. So, uh, number one, you want to guess who led the Chargers in targets last year? Eckler. Right. You want to guess who led the Chargers in receptions last year? Hold on, by over tw- over thirty receptions. What do you mean? He had 30 more receptions than the number two guy. And the next was Mike Williams or Keenan Allen? Uh, the next one was uh, Josh Palmer. Now, that was the kid they drafted a few yeah. years Austin ago. Austin Eckler had 107 catches for them. Yeah. Basically, he was the offense. Now, I wonder, Colin, you know Kellen Moore likes to go down the field. Yes. Last year's guy was Charlie Checkdown. Was it Lombardi? Yeah. He liked the dink and dunk. Yes, he does. I do wonder if Eckler is getting a whiff of the game plan and getting a whiff of Kellen Moore and sees his stats are going to be going down on the receiving end. And now he knows, like, damn, I'm not going to be getting paid. You have to wonder if Eckler's worried about the offense changing a little bit. Let me tell you something. We think it's for the better. I'll tell you this. If they had cap space, if I was the Rams, I'd move off Cam Akers and get Austin Eckler tomorrow. More mature, better receiver, willing blocker. But Stafford's making a ton of money. You can't pay the running back. I know. If if you want to find a spot. The Rams don't love their tight end or their wide receiver group. Eckler is like another receiver. You go to the teams that just drafted quarterbacks. Bryce Young, who are his running backs? Uh, Carolina, quarterback on the rookie deal. You can pay a running back. Uh, Houston, I know they have the uh, the kid who was good last year, Pierce. Um, but Atlanta has a guy they just drafted, B. John Robinson. You got to find teams that aren't paying the quarterbacks that can pay the running back. But I do. Uh, our staff came up with some numbers here. These receivers have a higher average annual value than Eckler, Cedric Wilson. Russell Gage, oh Michael boy. Gallup. These guys are making more money than no, Austin No, 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 no. Listen, he's, uh, he's... He's got a good point. If you don't watch the Chargers, you don't get his value. Yeah. He's really good. He's one of... He's probably... There's a short list of most underrated players in the league. Yeah. I mean, because of where he got drafted, they haven't paid him anything, and he's been wildly important to Justin Herbert's growth. But when he sees guys like Zeke, who's 28, Kareem Hunt, I think, is 28, and they're, like, unemployed... You've got a tiny window here for Austin Eckler to get paid, man. It's you like, know what? If you're the Rams, I, just, I don't. Do you call? Do you call them and say, "Listen, give us Keenan Allen. You can then sign Austin mm, Eckler." I don't know. Another big tell with the <laughs> offense, Colin, is right. they just drafted the big kid out of TCU, Quinton Johnson. Uh, he's like the six-four receiver. So they're going to move off one of those two receivers, probably Keenan Allen. But they're going to be throwing the ball down the field. They didn't get Johnson to throw like eight-yard out. So. I, a lot happening with the Chargers, and a lot of it's not great. All right, final story. Uh, Kyrie Irving. Oh, jeez. Kyrie. 
<laughs> Kyrie Irving. I know how much you love Kyrie, and you know my thoughts on him. I'll let you take this one. So LeBron jumped on social media yesterday after a fan posted about Kyrie saying, this has nothing to do with his all-time ranking, but this is the best player with the ball in his hands we've ever seen. LeBron, of course, shared it and said, ever. Nobody ever has been better with the ball in his hands I than don't, Kyrie I don't. Irving. He's very, he's way up top for me. He's top five ever. Ever? I'm not talking about wanting him as a franchise cornerstone. Handles? No, J- Jason top. Kidd. Magic Johnson. Um, Come on, there's a ton of guys. Uh, Magic's way up there. I'm, I'm saying, I don't, I think he's too erratic. I don't think he has the self-awareness I'm looking for. I'll never deny his talent. Okay, if he's so good with the ball in his hands, why is he only won once in his career with okay, LeBron James? Okay, but that's different. You're you're talking about structural issues. No, no, no. I'm talking about you got the ball in your hands. You better win the game. Well, tell me outside of Steph Curry, the small guys that lead people to wins. When he got LeBron, he won a title. Small guys outside of Steph Curry never. Isaiah and Steph are exceptions. Isaiah. Little guys don't win titles. John, well, John Stockton got the two finals. I know he had the mailman. He, like, I mean, led the... I think assists and steals most in NBA history yeah, by a mile. and two finals, never one. I mean, it, you're, you, there's a big difference. It, you know how they always say, can you separate art from artist? Yeah. Right? I can. Like, I know some of our artists are flawed, but I think they're important for society. Some of them are creatives and out there and do things that I don't think are appropriate. But I can separate art from artist. And by the way, you do too, because I see who goes to concerts and movies, and they're not all good people. <laughs> uh, by the way, so the second question in that dynamic is, Okay, separate art from artists. Can you separate unbelievable talent from good for the team? Kyrie's an all-time talent. For his size, he's one of the great finishers in league history. I'll agree with that. I would not. If you can't get along with LeBron long-term, LeBron makes everybody better. Takes most of the leadership stuff, the media stuff, the defensive stuff, the passing stuff. If you can't play with LeBron, you can't play with anybody. And uh, And Kyrie, it couldn't handle it. Final thing on Kyrie. Um, LeBron setting up some future uh, stuff here. No. Listen, everything he does is calculated. I talked to LeBron LeBron Thursday. You talked to LeBron last week. Let's hear all about it. We broke it it down. No, he didn't. They're not going to. The Lakers who have no interest, I've been told, in Kyrie. That's what is what's LeBron's level of interest? LeBron's very happy with the current construct and Darvin Ham. I know this. He told me very happy with Darvin Ham. Very happy with the Lakers offseason. Yeah, you know we don't like to hear the positives. What are, what are the negative? No, <laughs> what's I, LeBron negative about? I, I just think there are people in my industry that maybe have had issues. I'm not going to deny their talent. People are good or they're not. Like, Kyrie's a huge talent. He's just, he's too erratic. He's too erratic. I mean, Ben Simmons came into this league. Wasn't he all NBA first couple years? Uh, I, 6'10 guard. all fin- NBA at some point. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was like, Ben Simmons was unbelievable. I've moved off him. But to deny his talent, yeah. stop being a kid. Like, it, 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 that's ridiculous. He was an unbelievable. He was considered the best prospect since LeBron. He's like 6'10 and a half. Great defender. Long. Finish at the rim. A st- just didn't work out. So some of these guys, I just move off. The, I've moved off Harden. I moved off. I was never a Westbrook guy. Never a Wall guy. But I was a Kyrie guy for a while. I've moved off him. You're a LeBron guy. Any other fun facts that he dropped? Is he a big watcher of the show? No, uh, I don't know. I didn't ask him that. He no. was very, he always very supportive of friends of mine. And they had a, uh, uninterrupted, his company had a um, uh, a movie, uh 
a movie festival. They had yeah. a couple of movies, and they included Draymond Green podcast in it. So I went. LeBron came over. I didn't want to bother him. He came over to me, tapped me on the shoulder, shook my hand. We talked for a little bit. Could not be more gracious. I'm told this was not just the VIP section, but the VVIP, no, where like they they portion you off from that. Listen, you know, it was brief. Else. It's nice, but I I I. The Kyrie stuff. It is okay to support somebody on Instagram or something. Yeah. Just to support people. No agenda. Yeah, just say, like, I played with a guy. He's an, LeBron likes to get along with everybody. I mean, it, there are guys. I, I do have eventually a really good story from that party. Whoa. An off-air story. Here I'll we share. go. All I'll, right. I'll share it during the break. It's a good one. Can't wait. Uh, J-Mac with the news. Well, that's the news. And thanks for stopping by. The Herd Lie News. Some Here's the thing. So J-Mac and I, we like to find dirt. I mean, J-Max, I mean, J-Max, co- no, no, no. We, we don't like dirt. Well, we like sourcing and that it's fun for we us. We like juice. But that doesn't mean we can always share every piece of information. Correct. I have a piece of NFL information today. I may be able to share, but it's some dirt on something. Oh. And so I got to make a couple calls. And I did, I did learn something from that. Uh, I'm not going to share it on the air, but it was really interesting about an NBA player. Let's get to commercial break and okay. Uh, all right, whatever, whatever, whatever. Don't have to share everything we have. We don't have to do that. No, this isn't a podcast. We don't have to swear <laughs> and share everything in our private lives. Be sure to catch live editions of the Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, nine a.m. Pacific. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler Lavar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up on Game. What is Up on Game? You ask along with my fellow pro bowler, T.J. Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it. Up on game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up on Game with me, LeVar Arrington, T.J. Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way. A brand new show from My Heart Podcast where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everybody, including sitting presidents. So join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before. Tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. 
comedian, writer and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. We break open modern-day conspiracies and tell you which elements may be the real deal. Like, did Bill Gates use COVID vaccines to microchip us all? We all do have tracking devices. Mm -hmm. We carry them around. We spend a lot of money on them. And what's actually on Hunter Biden's laptop? You are talking to the guy that has three of Hunter Biden's laptops and cell phone. And what did the deep state build under Denver airport? Do you think there are secret bunkers? That's just on my list of questions I have about Jesse Ventura. It's our mission to get to the heart of these conspiracy theories and figure out the why, the how, and especially the if. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yankees in last place, tied for last place. Let's not talk about that. Mets Circus. Nats terrible. Jets will save New York City. Boom. No, Jalen Brunson <laughs> is going to save New York City. Okay. They're, Fifth seed in the East, and they're going to save New York City. Just one more little subtle, smart move. It's a good team. Now, you know we make bets. Whenever the quarterbacks come into the league, I'm not going to sit on the fence. You wouldn't respect me. I tell you who I like, I don't like. I told you Johnny Manziel. Don't like him. Jameis Winston. Uh, Baker Mayfield. Zach Wilson. All you Jet fans, forget that. But the one guy I really liked and didn't work was Sam Darnold. Tough, coachable, teammates loved him. Basically, hero ball at USC to save a bad coaching staff. Always had a quirky delivery, uh, but he's never had an elite coach. He's always been running for his life. Hasn't had many great players around him. So, I've said this before, where you land in the NFL matters. And Sam Darnold is not talented enough. He's not Andrew Luck. He's not Trevor Lawrence. He's not. He's not Joe Burrow. He's not Josh Allen. He's not Lamar Jackson. He's not talented to over talented enough to overcome bad coaching and bad O lines and chaos. He's not. But Kyle Shanahan liked him. And they don't like currently Trey Lance. Darnold, they think, can win a lot of games. And Darnold was on a podcast pardon my take, and talked about what he's already noticed just in camp with the Niners. Guys are open. There's a lot of guys open on dang near every play. And it just seems like there's there's a ton of answers. Great run game. I mean, whenever you can have a great run game as a quarterback, that's always a comforting feeling. So in the NBA, Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich, and Eric Spolstra, those are considered the three best coaches. They've all got trophies. In the NFL, all the what we consider great coaches have a trophy. Belichick, Tomlin, Pete Carroll, Harbaugh, Andy Reid, Sean Payton, Sean McVay, all got a trophy. 
In baseball, Dusty Baker was the last holdout. A great manager finally got his. Bochy's great. Francona's great. Uh, Tony La Russa was great. All have hardware. Is Kyle Shanahan the last great coach in our big three sports world not to have a ring? I would say that's true. He got Jimmy Garoppolo and Matt Ryan to Super Bowls. He goes 8-0 and with Mr. Irrelevant, the last player in the draft, Brock Purdy, when healthy. Virtually every running back, every single one works in his system. And so, do I think Sam Darnold, if given the opportunity, as Brock Purdy gets healthy, if, if Sam starts within this system in September for four games, could Sam go 4-0? Absolutely. Baker Mayfield got an offensive coach. He got a great offensive line. He had massive protection. He had Nick Chubb. He had excellent weapons, at least good weapons, David Njoku, OBJ, and Baker screwed it up. Sam never got a chance. I don't think Sam is great. Certainly not great enough to overcome mayhem. That's for guys like Herbert, Brown, Hertz, Lamar, and there's about seven of those guys on the planet. But I've, I've got to say, three head coaches, all for Sam felt over their skis. Offensive lines, never an elite one. He got nothing. Now, his delivery is slow, and when rushed, he tends to try to play a hero and makes bad decisions. Sam's issues have always been the same. Big, strong, athletic, great kid. But his delivery is a little slow, just a beat slow, and when pressured, he'll uncork about two throws a game that are really bad. He tries to make a play. It worked in high school. It worked beautifully at USC. That stuff doesn't work in the NFL. By the way, Josh Allen's got some of that. Josh Allen's got some of that. But Josh Allen got Brian Dable. Josh Allen got no chaos. Josh Allen got great defense, excellent coaching, good support system, good ownership. So there's a lot of stuff. Now, I don't think Darnold is Josh Allen. But selfishly, I would love to see Darnold at least be equipped with the same surrounding cast that Baker got for a couple years. Baker got a great O-line, a great running back, excellent tight end, better than average receivers, offensive coach. That's all I'm saying. So I, I do have a right to occasionally root for something. I would love to see Sam Darnold get four starts in September go three and one, look the part, and people go, oh, it's amazing. You know, I say this all the time about be very careful about bailing on kids. Some kids are slow learners. Some kids need more support. Not everybody can be a superstar. So it's, uh, I'm going to be, I know I'm not supposed to root J-Mac, but on this show, you're rooting for Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. I'm rooting for Darnold to get three or four starts in September. Don't think he's the full-time plan. Three or four starts as Brock Purdy gets healthy and to see him succeed. So just to get a fair chance. Three or four starts will be at Pittsburgh, at the Rams. One and one. Versus the Giants. Two and one. Versus Arizona. Three and one. And then Purdy comes in. Pittsburgh's really good. It's on but the if road. But he, if he's three and one with three wins in a row, why are you pulling him for Purdy? Purdy, good question. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I think, but, I, but at least we can watch it and say, okay, the kid has a shot. Good left tackle, good tight end. He's telling you, stuff's open. Pra at practice, and the defense knows what we're running. Stuff is open. Finally, our two decks. 
The second season of El Flow is here. Step into the ever-evolving world of reggaeton and get up close with both legendary figures and emerging talents in the industry. Part of the enormous significance of reggaeton is really the way in which personal narratives connect to larger things going on historically and socially. Listen to El Flow on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. For all the parents out there, picture that it's bedtime. You and the kids have been busy all day. You know they're tired, but for some reason, they just won't go to sleep. And for this reason, I created the podcast Bedtime History. Bedtime History is a series of relaxing history stories that end with an inspirational message. With over 2,000 positive parent reviews, Bedtime History is one of the top education podcasts. Join me and listen to Bedtime History every Monday and Thursday on iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.